Hey, it's Elia. Before today's show, we need to say that TalkHouse believes that Black Lives Matter. As individuals, we've been out at protests and contributing to many organizations, including Minnesota Freedom Fund, Brooklyn Community Bail Project, Philadelphia Community Bail Fund, George Floyd's Families GoFundMe, Eat Chicago, Asada's Daughters, and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. We encourage our listeners to donate if you can. And if you're out in the streets, please stay safe. We stand with you. And now, a new poem by dear friend of the Talk House, Yursa Daly Ward, titled Making the End. We want to know how the story ends. Another black human, barbarically extinguished, historically slaughtered, forced into the ground in public. All of the cameras and all of our phones and all the computers saw it. We want to know that the story ends. We're making the end. Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? What is up? This is Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. To help me intro today's episode, joining me from Chicago, we have... Josh Modell, executive editor. What is up, Elia? Hey, hey, man. Great to hear your voice. You as well. On today's show, we feature Elado Negro in conversation with Buscabuya. This was Talk House Podcast's very first time doing a live talk via Instagram Live, and it was dope. Loads of folks tuned in from around the world. They were throwing up the flags and uh, sent a ton of love in the comments. There were hearts nonstop. It was a beautiful thing. Smash that heart. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Carlos Lang is the incredibly prolific artist that goes by the moniker Elado Negro. That translates to black ice cream. And I genuinely believe he is one of the most interesting minds in music right now. While he's originally from South Florida, Roberto really made his name in NYC and became a leading light in what in this talk is referred to as, quote, everybody in New York that makes weird music in Spanish. <laughs> Born to Ecuadorian immigrant parents, Roberto explores Latinx identity and is the creator of the wonderful song and T-shirt, Young, Latin, and Proud. You'll see artists like Downtown Boys, Hooray for the Riff Raff, and so many other Latinx artists rocking that T-shirt. Yeah, he's incredible. Sonically, he favors atmospheric electronics, deconstructed samples, and gentle guitars. Our producer, Mark Yoshizumi, calls it musical anti-anxiety medicine, which seems about right. <laughs> I love it. Perfection. That, that is truly what Roberto creates. Roberto is insanely prolific. His most recent Alado Negro record was last year's This Is How You Smile. Since then, we've had a ton of projects, including Antiphony. That's a Trey Pollard track that Roberto remixed. He also did an Alado Negro remix of Devendra Banhart's Love Song. Elado Negro's most recent single is a collaboration with another Talkhouse favorite, Zenya Rubinos. The track is called I Fell In Love. Let's check it out. Spaceship shapers fly through our world unheard. Just the same. 
gorgeous stuff. And uh, of course, Roberto is an inveterate collaborator. One of his favorite groups to work with is Buscabuya. Yeah, Buscabuya is the Puerto Rican experimental pop duo comprised of husband and wife Raquel Berrios and Luis Alfredo de Valle. With inspiration from bachata, reggaeton, indie rock, and salsa, Buscabuya effortlessly marry hooky electro with slick funk. Yeah, the couple left New York to return to their native Puerto Rico two years ago and have settled in Aguadilla. That's a town on the western coast. Their debut album, Regresa, just dropped last month. That was recorded at their home studio in Puerto Rico and was really informed by the difficulties that the couple saw their country dealing with. As they share, they saw a lack of opportunity, deep class divisions, and the rise of religious fanaticism. And yet, Buscabuya somehow still makes national self-doubt and anxiety danceable. They do, they do. As Raquel says, Regresa is about acceptance of oneself with all our imperfections and the acceptance of being back in Puerto Rico with all its flaws. Besides Lado Negro, there are some very cool collaborators on this LP. Yeah, they talk a lot in this conversation about Nick Hakim, who apparently had a huge influence on the record, as well as Patrick from Chairlift, who mixed it. Let's check out the album's opening cut, Vamano. That is a beautiful call to action. I love this record. So good. Something else that's so good, Josh, this talk. Elado Negro and Busca Boya get into a lot here. We hear about the way they've integrated family into their musical careers. Busca Boya bring their daughter Charlie along for recording dates and shows. And Roberto collaborates with his wife, Christy Sword, who's a visual artist. Yeah, and of course, we couldn't possibly have this talk without talking about the quarantine and what it's like to release your long-awaited debut right in the middle of it. For sure. And, and they also get into the elements of New York City that Busca Buya really want to recreate in Puerto Rico. We hear about the Wandalarm. And why Nick Hakim is really Neo from The Matrix. It's a deep conspiracy theory. <laughs> Let's roll the tape. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Wow. Hey, what's up, man? How are you guys? So good to see your faces. Likewise, likewise. It's interesting to know that you're having a conversation and other people are like... Lurking, lurking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're like, we've we've never actually done a live, so... We're losing our like live virginity right now yeah, with you. Me too. <laughs> Very strange. I mean, I've been here before. Um, so weird. I'll guide you through the process. Nice. You Thank you. You're suntan. Um, I'm in Texas, but y'all are tan too. I mean, you can't help it. Yeah, it is what it is. I Wait, mean, I guess. <laughs> are you still in Marfa? Are you still in Marfa? Yeah, so I'm in Texas still. I'm in Marfa. Been here since March 4th. And it's it's crazy. I mean, it's great that we're here, but um, it's not that we can't leave. I think it's just New York is so difficult yeah. to get to at this point and getting there just to make the effort to get there. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy. So we're here, you know? Yeah. Are you glad that you're there during the quarantine? I am. It's I'm chilling. really hearing from friends and the amount of anxiety and kind of wildness that it all brought. How's your mind been and stuff? 
It's good. I mean, Christy and I have been luckily able to focus on this project that we're here doing for a, a place, an institution here called Ballroom Marfa. And um, we're lucky to have a project to just be focused on, you know? I hear you. So how does it feel for y'all right now? I feel like you guys moved to Puerto Rico during a time where it felt like Puerto Rico was experiencing a lot of traumatic stuff and now like there's like a, a lot more like rehashing of that like trauma and like mm-hmm. those feelings of just like everyone's like yo again we have to like yeah I mean it's the fourth season of Puerto Rico se levanta as some oh, people say like <laughs> the first season oh, no. No, I know I read this and I'm like damn like when's the Netflix show coming the first the first was Hurricane Maria then it was all the protests the summer protests the Ricky Renuncia protests then we got mm-hmm. an earthquake in January. Well, a couple, right. yeah, like a couple. Yeah, I mean, there's still aftershocks. And then uh, la pandemia. I mean, it's sort of like... Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's crazy. It's weird. Also, I'm almost feeling like I was really worried, right? Right when, when we started seeing all these the news coming out of you know, like Wuhan and all that stuff. And we were like, wow, oh my God. You know, like, we were actually I don't even know how the government here would even handle. Like, the, I, you know, I had no, I, I was genuinely scared because so many disasters had been mishandled, you know? Um, yeah. But I think in a way, maybe it's like a trial by fire kind of thing. And luckily... I don't know if it was out of like just like the only resource that was available here, but they shut down the entire country like as yeah. soon as was humanly possible. Yeah, March thirteenth. We've and, like we've been on lockdown, like curfew at seven p.m. Right. So like like Damn. a little bit before almost every other city started doing it, we were already in lockdown. And so yeah, I don't know if maybe the past emergencies are sort of you know, acclimatize people to this yeah. really intense way of living. But it, it honestly feels at least like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people obviously going through like intense hardship, but within the intensity, Puerto Rico hasn't had as many deaths supposedly and, you know, all that but stuff. we don't so, really know. Yeah. We don't really know. I but, don't um, think anybody yeah. knows. It's, it's a pretty chaotic time, I have to say. I mean, I'm like... I'm like you. I mean, we're focused on putting this record out and we'd never imagined that we were going to put it out during this pandemic. It's kind of insane, but I I don't know. I've been kind of spiritual about it. I'm kind of like, well, this is what the universe wanted. There must be a secret meaning of putting music out during this time. Like there must be some mission that we must accomplish. You know, we just hope that... um, the interesting thing is that the record is so much about like angst and feeling trapped and and the record is a transitional record. I mean, we move back and we move back to a place that was unrecognizable, you know, beautiful, kind of how we remembered, but so many other things that weren't, so many things that aren't right. And so I think that that's probably what everybody's thinking right now. There's so much to fix, I mean, in our countries yeah. and especially in the States and just sort of seeing what's happening right now, where the world is at and where the environment is at. It's such like a big deal, like such a a huge stop can only really make us kind of like think about it. So um, I don't know. I hope that people find solace in the record, that people can connect to it, that they might have a little bit more time to sit with it now. I mean, let's see what happens. It's, I don't know. It's scary too. I don't know. Yeah. Do you think that's been like a recurring question? I feel like right now it's like, and and I think we should 
be fun to like deviate from this at some point. But um, I feel like f- right now it's like what to talk about. You know, it's like everyone is kind of experiencing in this <laughs> it in is the same very way. collective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. for sure. I feel like because of like this isolation, it seems like maybe you guys are maybe even discovering more about the record. I mean, when I listen to the record, I hear stuff just because I know you. But I also hear things that I'm like, I'm like, damn, like, do I just hear it differently now? Because I'm like, everyone's kind of like in this state of mind, you know? Are you hearing it differently, do you think? I mean, uh, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually working on a record. And he's like, damn, like, I don't even know if what I've worked on this far is even relevant anymore because the world will probably be a completely different place. And it was really funny when he said that. And then I'm like... Mm, let me sit and think about this record. And it's, the record kind of already shows, to me, I think it only proves more my sadness or or whatever kind of transformation I have in the record, which people will hear. I think it's still completely relevant. And I think that maybe we haven't really been great for a while. Like the pandemic is only here to kind of highlight what was already very wrong. So I don't think that it's like a big surprise. So the record just kind of is about that, you know, and now the pandemic maybe is just kind of highlighting that even more. I hope. I mean, you know. Yeah. We've talked about this privately. And I think maybe a lot of people who are like watching this maybe don't know what it takes to like promote a record or like talk about it. And you all, this is like your first album, your debut album. How many albums have you put out, Roberto? A lot. Do you know how many? For El Lado Negro, I don't know, maybe like six or seven, something. And But like but, um, in your life? A lot. Like more than 12, wow. 13, 14. I don't know. But I think it's different. I mean, it's like, wild. I think it's so cool to see how y'all have done it in terms of like the EPs and like I love. I love the way the new record feels in terms of like using the EPs as context, you know? And I, I guess the question is for me, when you were working on this record, what did it feel like to like, move away from like putting out like four songs to like making something that was like, how many, hold on, let me see how many songs it is. You should know. (laughs) It's 11 songs. (laughs) Woo! Upgrade, upgrade. How did that feel? Like you're like, holy shit, we got to fill this thing up. It was hard. I think we just think about it too much, but I think it's part of putting a first record out. It's so dear to you and so precious. And I remember one time you were at home and you were saying like, you guys think about this too much. You know, this song is done. You know, like... Move on. Just yeah. move on to the next idea. And and I think that um, we're probably learning that the more that we do music and records, the more we learn about that. I think that before we were like so, like we would sit with it and think about it so much. And then it kind of takes all the fun out of it, you know? Definitely. I don't know. I mean, how are you like fast? Because we're not fast at all. Like we just... We take forever and we talk about it and we analyze it. And it's like, is this really what we want to do? Is this really, you know, I don't know. Like, then Raquel asks. I don't know if it's because it's the two of us. And then we're like constantly, I don't know if it's, if it's just you working on music. Like you just don't think about it and you enjoy the moment. Yeah, you like trust your own instinct and just keep going. And I'm stubborn for sure. I think that what you're saying is like your dynamic is like, and I've seen y'all work and I've talked to you about it. And it's like your approach is like completely not different, but I think like it sh- it shows how you both work so good together. Like I remember working on Fri- like I remember working on Frio with you guys, and it like made me so excited because I was like, cool, like 
this process is so different to me to just hear like you lay it out in a very conceptual way, like what your intention is with the song and like to know that you had something that you wanted to focus on from beginning to end for like direction. But then also there was like um, aesthetic and technical things that you wanted to kind of like achieve within it too. From for me, I'm not working like that. I, I, I don't I don't see the form. I don't like make a maquette of it and then like be like, well, this is the idea. And then we're going to like build this shit into like this giant building, you know? And I think both of you work in that respect. Like you complement that like with each other. And I think that's like, hmm. it's an admirable process. And like, I, I, I think that's why your songs on those EPs and on the record are so good because I think with the EPs, you were just like building these like different like foundational um, ideas for the sound that you wanted to kind of like fully like show to the world be like, yo, this is our debut record. This is like our, our shit, you know? Hey, it's Ellie again. We here at Talkhouse are really psyched to work with a company like Allbirds. I wear Allbirds running shoes, but my faith in the company was doubled when they asked us to pull the ad that we'd recorded for this week and sent us this statement in its place. Normally, this sponsored read would focus on what Allbirds does as a business and talk about one of our new products. But there's something much more important happening in our country and around the world right now. Acknowledging injustice is not the kind thing to do, it's the right thing to do. As a business, Allbirds has always stood for the planet, and standing for the planet also means standing for its people. We believe that everyone should be able to enjoy all the Earth has to offer without fearing for their lives because of the color of their skin. And while we admit that we're not entirely sure what the right thing to do is at a time like this, we know that just stating our support isn't enough. We need to take action. As a first step, Allbirds has contributed to organizations like the National Movement for Black Lives and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund to support their efforts. We encourage you to demand change and make your voices heard. Black Lives Matter. Has your process changed? Like, it, how is it different from that? Because I can't, I mean, sometimes I can't even imagine how other musicians work. And it's not until I kind of see them work. I'm like, oh. There is another way. You could do it that way. Do you feel like your process is the same or has it changed a lot from from when you started making music? I don't know. I, You know what I do? I think it seems like I make a lot of things really quickly, but I just write and record a lot over time. And as... Like one thing finishes, something begins, and then maybe like a year or two or three or five years later, that thing finishes. So it's kind of like these long timelines of overlapping ideas that never necessarily um, are this moment of focused time. It's like these things that have been kind of like happening. And then you also have like the the amazing moment where like you make something and you're like, damn, I can't believe we just wrote that in two days. That's crazy. You know, like, yeah. and that's like that special thing. But it, my process is not, it's far from the maquette like the, the more often than not it it always has existed in some form or or another in the way you've heard you're hearing it at the end so it's like usually like the same sounds are, are there always or almost always you know got it i wanted to ask you like you collaborated on one of the songs in the record that's coming up club tuillo and i and i think you were on the road right when you did the the arrangements, were you on the road when you sent that in or were you at your Probably. house? Probably, yeah. Last year was fucking crazy. <laughs> but yeah. How, I mean, I never got to ask you how you guys got to, did you go to a studio in the but middle? Do you of, even remember? Like, do you remember? Yeah. 
Because this is what happens when you collaborate remotely with people. You kind of ask them for something and this thing shows up, but you have no idea what the process was yeah. behind it or anything. Well, you sent a few songs. I think you sent Nidia, mm-hmm. right? And then you sent maybe a version of something. I don't know if it was like NTE or or is it is it NTE or? NTE, yeah, 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 it's yeah. NTE. But I think it was, Yo, was it MTV. <laughs> MTV. <laughs> <laughs> I think you sent three jams. Two of them, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, in my mind, I was like, yo, I want to work on Nidia. And I was like, this shit's dope. And you're like, yeah, yeah so we're working on that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, okay. But I was kind of stoked about that song. Um, but then when you sent Club Tu Yo, I was feeling it. because I think we, we I, I'm trying to remember some of the references we talked about. I was trying to remember that earlier today. Like, did we reference, like, um, did someone say Pimpinela or something? Oh, no, yes. we didn't ever said that. Yeah, we did say Pimpinela. Okay, I couldn't remember if we said that or not, but I remember that being like, you know, obviously a jam, like them being some shit I grew up with. And then like, it was cool to have like that, uh, that uh, reference point. Was Pimpinela heard at your house when you grew up? Yeah, but it was also like maybe heard more like on TV whenever there was like, yeah, 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 yeah. the TV was always on and there was like whatever, some special on and they're performing or some shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're dope but songwriters. I, Hell yeah. It's such a different era of music, right? I think you nailed it with that song is the okay. thing. And you that song it, brings so. that song brings like this like really specific feeling of like it's like someone describes something to you and you want to understand it. The words are all right there and you understand the feeling, but you can't actually like put yeah. your hand on what it is. I feel like that's what that song does to me. Cool. I get transported to a moment in my life somewhere and I'm like it's like I can't pinpoint it, but I know it's like deep inside my life somewhere and it's like it feels like it feels comfortable you know it feels like a room in a house that I've lived in and I think that's why I really loved it you know and I think working on it it was cool because it's always like the people that I love someone else yes Pimpinela was a thing in mi casa a Carlos a Carlos R. Lange saying how are you doing oh (laughs) that's my dad did you know about this Pimpinela were brothers that's crazy. Oh, no, I, I didn't know that. But I think it weren't they all always like like yeah, I the husband the and that they wife were like a pair. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the, I, I, I in no the songs. That's wild. They're like the carpenters. Wow, they were brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. wild. Are you working on any music? You're not working on music, aren't you? Yeah, we are. I am. Um, are you working on music with Christy? Kind of for this project. She's been making these like graphic scores and um, sweet, and working with with some musicians in town to interpret some of the graphic scores for this compilation that's going to come out with um, Ballroom Marfa. But also their scores for the the piece of the documentation that we're doing of like all the the different like light and wind sculptures and sweet. video that we're making out here. That's yeah. There's so a dope. lot. There's a lot to talk about with that. I but wish I could go there right time. now. Is that for later? Is that for later? I can't wait to yeah. hear about it. I wish I yeah. could go to Marfa. I mean, Marfa it's worth our right time, now. but it's just too much time. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Marfa's so um, dope. It is. Marfa is super, super dope. It is a beautiful town. It's like, I think we're about an hour from the border from Ojinaga, which is a yeah. smaller town in Mexico, and um, you know, it's a brown town. It's, yeah. You know, mostly people of like. Um, descendants of like Mexican, Mexican people, Mexican American, multiple generations deep, you know? So it's, it's kind of beautiful to kind of like have an opportunity to be here for a longer, longer period of time 
it, you know, it was like not our intention to be here that long, but it For was sure. kind of right. It's we're here now. Yeah, you really got the full been, experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really know. It's like you're living there. <laughs> we are. You know, I've actually been recording a ton of music nice. and mixing and a lot of other like secret surprises. Ooh. And, but we've enjoyed the experience here more than anything. And it's kind of wild. It's like someone said it was like uh, the beach without water. It's and really beautiful. I You've been or you haven't been. We got to go there twice, and the second time we actually played, we played a, a two-person Busca Buya for set. Two, for two people. Yeah, yeah I don't remember the name of that? the bar. It was some, do you remember the name of the bar? Uh, it was like a real Western-themed bar. The Lone Horse? Yeah. What was it, the what? The Lone Horse? Or the, the Lone the Horse, last yeah, that's <laughs> it, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> What's it called? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, uh, yeah, and we got to play, and but it was so dope because we like toured the whole thing and just... The desert is just so magical. Yeah. You know, we're a little bit bummed out because we're supposed to go on tour in July and we don't really know what's going to happen, you know, and we were supposed to like... Yeah, like our, our highlight in the mind was going through that, you know, the, the southwest of the, the country and stuff and it, it might not happen. You know? Yeah, and so, I mean, it's, I'm okay with it. I mean, I don't know, like, I know you tour a lot and... um you know, the like lost horse. Somebody just horse. just uh, clarify yeah. that. Thank you, not Sarah. It's That's the Sarah lost horse. Thank you. She's a local. Not lone Same horse. The lost Sarah. horse. We don't even know. Like I wanted to kind of talk to you about it. Like it's such a crazy time to be a musician right now. Like touring and like gatherings. Like we don't even know what's gonna be up. Like how do you feel about it? Because I know you tour a lot. I don't know if this makes you feel relieved or does it worry you or like, how do you feel about it? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's maybe it's for the best, but for me, at least in terms of like, I rely on it for, it's like the largest percent of my income is like performing. Yeah. And I think like two thirds of my income just went away overnight. And I think, wow, you know, it's just like all touring and playing shows. And so I think there was like an initial shock and kind of like a worry and anxiety, but I think um, I've kind of come to terms with it and like tried to like figure out like what it is I can do to like survive. Yeah. More than anything, I'm just waiting and seeing and not trying to anticipate and not trying to predict and not trying to be working in like hypotheticals, just like being like realistic, being like, yo, if like if it's got to be canceled, it's yep. got to be canceled. Yeah. And if we have to do it next year, maybe that's for the best and try instead of trying to like. It's almost like worse to have this feeling that things keep getting postponed and rescheduled. Like, okay, November, everything will be better. You know, back then, <laughs> and you're like, really? Like at this point, it's like, why are we like trying to work so hard at like hoping that something is gonna change that we have no control over? It's like you might as well just like change it. I mean, for me, for certain things that I that I'm like dealing with, I'm like, we might as well just like release some of the anxiety that people have so we can kind of like know that like, hey, like maybe let's just build towards next year as opposed to being so um, caught up in like trying to make things happen that we're like, we have like zero control over, you know? Like what you were saying about like the spiritual feeling of like knowing that like there's so many things happening and like I've been thinking about that a lot. Like what's my connection with myself? And I feel like there's like this healing moment. Like I I think I toured way too much last year and like (laughs) I got like super sick and like all these things happened to me. And I'm like, 
so in a way, this was like great. Like this is the first time my body and my brain have like recovered from like so much, you know, wow. like yeah. just so many things. And I and I know like y'all have these plans to like this big push, and it's kind of like it's hard because I, I can't believe that it's like you know timing is the worst sometimes like with this stuff. And and I, I think like y'all had so much planned, and how are you feeling about like? Do you think like just waiting, or do you feel like? Hoping or I don't know, like. Oh what, wait, we got the wand alarm. Oh wait, sorry. Sorry, we got. We sorry, had... our our video got paused because we get this emergency alert to tell everybody that curfew is coming at seven p.m. in Puerto Rico. Oh shit! Sorry. So the entire neighborhood <laughs> being is real. We call it la wand alarma. The wand alarm. Because <laughs> the uh, governor of Puerto Rico, she's called Wanda, and um, sorry, there's a helicopter now. It's chaotic out here. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we live right next Rico. to the airport. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it broke my heart. I mean, I was definitely really excited. I mean, when you record a record, it's just one aspect of your whole, this little universe that you're creating. And when you go and you present it live, it's like you're just giving people like another dimension. You know, it's opportunities to kind of rework arrangements for your songs, you know, extend them. You can actually kind of put like a, a dance or like a, a, a wardrobe and, and lighting, like a show to your music. And then just the coming together of people. I mean, that that's the part that kind of breaks my heart. But in another sense, I'm sort of like, I don't know, like maybe this is a new opportunity to connect with people more intimately and, and technology now is changing so much sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. But I mean, what what would we do without this technology in this moment right now? You know what I mean? Where yeah. we have to literally be isolated. And so I'm I'm always interested in when things are kind of weird and tough and apretada, as we say, to kind of like creativity. Like is, a song of yours. On the <laughs> exactly. New uh, featured on the uh, <laughs> yeah. upcoming. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I, I come from a design background and I always felt that the, like, the lower the budget for the project or the fewer materials you had, the better ideas you would come up with. Like, I kind of, I'm excited about doing a lot with a little. That's awesome. Maybe it'll be more intimate. Maybe like we just did a live session in the backyard for a radio station in France and it's coming out tomorrow. And then it's like, we'd never really done something like that. And like, um, you know, have people be in our backyard and like, you know, we kind of rearranged some of our songs for it. And it was really fun. I have to say, I was telling Luis, like, I really like this. And um, it feels like maybe like that's what people are gonna do. And I'm kind of just excited how people are gonna create and use sort of this medium now. Like, I feel like it's gonna be pushed to another level. I'm still scared, you know, we really don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> and, yeah. and on top of that, like we're in Puerto Rico, which makes it even more chaotic and crazy. This is like what my favorite thing about always talking with y'all because um, there's always like these moments of like complete optimism in terms of just like embracing. And I think that's like something to like take away from like all of this is like, how can we embrace like all this stuff that's happening without like having to like focus on the shit that is supposed to happen? You know, it's right. like yeah. if it's not supposed to happen or if it can't happen, it's not supposed to happen. You know, and like now you're like talking about this dope ass like little live session that you um, <laughs> that you like recorded in your backyard. And like and even like context, right? Like 
if you were living in New York, it may have been like a whole different situation. And like the oh, fact yeah. that you have like this backyard or like it's like looking out and looking at all these possibilities that you're like creating and for yourself within this like this moment. And I think maybe it even speaks to like the resilience of like y'all going there with with expectations of like not even knowing how the country was going to be, you know. And I think that's like amazing, you know. Yeah, we kind of knew. I mean, we knew. I mean, this is going to take years to fix But we kind of wanted to be a part of that. You know, we wanted to be here for the transformation. Like, we wanted to make art here. You know, New York is such a wonderful place, but it wasn't the place for us anymore. I still admire the city, and I'm, I'm so excited by all our musician and creative friends that live out there that are, like, working so hard. And our love and our admiration for New York will always be there. And, and I feel like New York just taught us so much and things that we actually want to, like, apply here. You know, there's so much community and so many sort of organizations, so much support. You know, it's really... It was really inspiring to just be out there, you know, and I, I only want to take all those things and like bring them here, you know, and make it a, a better place. I mean, so we kind of knew that it wasn't going to be easy, but I'm so much more in peace ever since I moved back, even though it's a chaotic place. I mean, New York is pretty chaotic too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess at this point, the entire world is chaos. So Yeah, what's funny <laughs> you know, is there's sure. no... Re I mean, I, I do think about you and I'm like, damn, he's in Texas in the desert. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be maybe even better than here. We can't even go to the beach. Can you walk, like, to the desert? We can walk. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about being in the middle of nowhere in some respects. I mean, like, this is somewhere, but I think in comparison to, like, cities per se, it's like... Resource-wise, this is a small place, and it's not necessarily close to a larger city. Like El Paso is like four hours. I think like four hours away, and you know, you you know the feeling here. It's like, you know, it's nighttime and it's dark, and you're like, whoa, there's there's nobody around, you know. And it's like, it's different. And there's moments where it feels like ghost towny, and then maybe even more so the effect of the people like right in um, isolating. But it's exciting because more time with the people you love if you've got them with, around you i think it's like for us it's been a lucky time have you been happy have you been like happy that you've had all this time and you're not like touring and that yeah, yeah. absolutely i think it's yeah. special i think it's like you know you carve out so many um nuanced moments that maybe you've been missing out on in terms of like just being on the road and i think it's like being on the road is is strange It's a necessity in terms of like what we do, but it's also like not necessarily the thing you need, you know? If you could just, if you could just make records and not tour, like if we lived in a moment, like... If you could be the Studio Beatles. If you could be the Studio Beatles, <laughs> like would you just live that life? You know what I mean? Like, or, or you would miss touring? I think touring is fun. And I think being in a different city with friends that you like is really fun. And I think performing shows is amazing. It's so much fun. Like the production of it is so much fun and it's like exciting. I think there's like, you know, the doldrums of like being on the road for long periods of time and like all the in-between moments of like trying to fill time and then like trying to have connections with loved ones via like telephone or you're just kind of like stealing time from moments that like that don't exist. So I think that's the hardest thing about it. So I don't know. I think it's like I would love to be able to just like know that it could be very limited. You know, and I think that's possible, but maybe not at this moment, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Drive in tours, bro. 
I want to ask you all a question now. I just wanted to know all the people that collaborated on this record. And I know Luis Bairoa was on this record. Yes. Um, all over. All, but um, who else was on this record? Yeah, actually, it was super fun to just have Luista come over because Luista is very particular. You know, he has his dogs and, you know, he really likes his bed and his shower. So I was really appreciative <laughs> that he would come Damn. over. It was like our way in? of getting He's him to come over. It was, yeah, it was, our, it was our way of bribing him to come over. And it was really, really fun. Like before, like we were in New York and he was in Puerto Rico and we couldn't collaborate. So now he would come over and like, you know, I think we had like about like a month and a half or two months where he would come almost like every weekend. And he was out here and it was like really, really fun to work on it. But also... The summer that we started working, Nick Hakim, we kind of bribed him and we said, if we pay you a ticket to come and we show you the island, like, would you come and help, come us, help us write, write produce? Who says no to that, you know? And he was psyched. And I mean, we're such big fans. You know, we're in awe of his talent. I mean, he's like so great. He he understands music in a diff really different way. He's that like I've, Neo from The Matrix, but with music. Yeah. He <laughs> you know, he's like Caesar in the walls. He kind of feels music very differently. <laughs> Say, I'm serious. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, he's from another planet. So it was really, really, really fun to have him over. And it was, you know, like Charlie in the studio or a little girl. And like, you know, he was playing the piano in the living room and Charlie was dancing. It was like really really beautiful. And then, you know, we would take breaks and we would take him to the beaches nearby. We took him to San Juan. We took him to this really uh, famous bomba place called Bonanza in San Juan with dope rumba and bomba. It was like great that he was down here. And he, he's sort of in the record, but he's kind of like hiding, you know, like he helped write. He's like the ghost in the machine. Yeah. He he's like, in there. So in ways that you might not perceive, but he's, yeah. he's definitely in there. <laughs> he's like, he did these talk box things with the guitar on the track called El Aprieto, and he helped write. That song is dope, by the way. That's oh, like yeah. one of my favorites. So those by weird the way. talk box sounds, that's <laughs> Nick. That's Nick oh, doing yeah, yeah, his yeah. thing on it. Yeah, it was super fun. That's cool. Because I guess for Talkbox, you know, you have to know the chord. You have to, like, yeah, you, you have, have to, be to good sing. At the guitar enough to be playing You have to it sing the chord that you're, like, playing. You know, it, it's <laughs> do that like, again? I can't do that shit. Blow, <laughs> 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 I'm like, I can't, I can't make the talk box work. I mean, I can't, but he did that and he helped write Mio. And then he sings like this little snippet at one of the ending songs called We Volta. won't give it away. We don't give it away. Just to see if people But it's his it. voice. It's a silky, Yo, that's his silky game. voice. <laughs> his smoky, silky voice at the end. Who else is on this record? Um, Patrick Wimberly from Chairlift mixed it. It was kind of oh. wild to go back to New York and, and mix it with him. And we were like such huge chairlift fans. Like we actually went to the farewell show and I cried and I couldn't believe it because chairlift was one of those bands that like really inspired us when we were like in New York and the whole kind of DIY scene, that, that non-existing New York DIY scene of, you know, the mid-2000s that was so magical, like such a magical time for New York music, you know. I feel like it's Definitely. changed a lot, but I don't know. You're more close to it, but I mean, that whole era of like Lorelli and Presov and Chairlift and 
all these like great bands and you were around too. Like it was a really special time. And so getting to work with Patrick was wild, you know? And I think in one of the sessions, Caroline came in and I was like, you know, I just, I couldn't believe it that she was there. Oh man. Um, I think that there was a whole like full circle. JD, who's our our current um, drum, drum player, like he did timbales, he did bongos. Um, he got busy with the Latin percussion. I think that's it, right? I, and then you are on the Club Tuyo. You did the arrangements, which are so beautiful. Yeah. That we kind of chopped up. And the two up. players on that are um, the two people who tour with me, Angela Morris and Nathaniel Morgan. So they right. played, you know, the strings and the horns on that. And they're Angela dope. plays the strings? She plays um, strings and also um, saxophone. Oh, wow. But, um, Amazing. Oh, cool. But yeah. on that one, I think she only did strings, and I think Nathaniel just played the saxophone on that. Yeah. I love that you were touring, and, like, the arrangement that you had for that tour was just so beautiful. I mean, your last record was just so beautiful. Yeah, it's really so. special, man. I don't think a lot of people know that y'all sang on my last record. Oh, yeah. We're like the Nick Hakim of your record. Yeah, we're like yeah. The, co- the ghost in... Um, People would text me and they're like, are you singing on this really? song? And then some people would even tell me like another track. And I'm like, no, I'm not on that. <laughs> Yo, but I want to tell, I want to, if, if, if anyone wants to hear this story, I'm going to tell just a portion of it. I was mixing the song and, and like, it's one of those things where it was like, y'all had left. And I don't even remember why you were, I think you were playing like a private show or something. And I was in New York. A friend of mine had lent me a studio in Manhattan and I had been mixing in this like kind of like Lux studio and just like <laughs> gifted this opportunity. Shout out to Herd City, who I love and they've always been the biggest sweethearts to help me out. And I remember I was just like trying to just like reel you both in somehow into like being in the record. And I, I could tell it was like not easy, but y'all were just like, fuck it, we're going to make this happen. And like whatever happens, happens, you know? And I remember it was like this moment, it was like, we kind of went through a bunch of different talks about like direction and, and, and I had like a very specific intention with it. And I just remember it was this, so, pe- so just so people know what song it is, it's the last song on the record called um, Todo Lo Que Me Falta. And, um, and I just remember we're working on this and y- y'all are singing the very like quiet part at the end. That's just Quédate Que Hay Luz. And I just remember like Charlie just sleeping throughout her whole hang. Like pretty much like Charlie. She like, did not Charlie, even perceive that we were in that studio. She Charlie had no. sleeping peacefully in the yeah. couch. <laughs> you guys arrived and Charlie was passed out and then she was just out on the couch. The whole we ate like pizza or some shit. I don't even remember what we ate. It was just kind of like this whole moment. And I, I really cherish that so much because I feel like um I don't know, that's like what I really live for is like having that experience of like sharing and making and just like having like a nice like something that is deep within like the organism of the record, you know. So I don't know. That's what I was feeling. So anyone it was, who didn't it know was that a they beautiful. Were on the it was a beautiful memory. I think it's yeah. I mean, it's still a really special song for me to hear, and and I get I get emotional when when I hear it. Yeah, so. and Charlie sleeping in couches nearby while we work on music is. <laughs> It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. But I'm still now. She's mainly just mad at us. I'm just looking at us. Come on. I'm happy. I'm happy that she's integrated into our creative process. I mean, some people don't even choose to do that with their kids. You've adjusted well, Charlie. 
You've passed phase Charlie, one. Charlie, I think, I think, she, I mean, <laughs> she's been a little mad at us because she's, she's in quarantine now and like we got to keep her entertained and we've been so, so busy just finishing so much stuff for the release and we're kind of like, it's just so important to connect with your kids, you know, right I now, mean, but it's so, so hard, you know what I mean? So we just try and integrate her. I mean, there's no other way. I mean, I kind of see like in different cultures how you know kids kind of they're like strapped to their mom's back while they're working and all this stuff so it's like I think it's it's a good thing I I would think that it would be a good thing for her to see you know what I mean like that she's completely integrated you know for me you guys are a super huge inspiration in terms of like how you've been able to integrate like a family aspect into like a creative process into like working a record into like everything that you're doing with it. And I think that's like super special. And it's a whole new level of hard for people who are like, oh, I'm making music. This is so hard to sell tickets. You're just like, yo, I'm making music so hard to sell tickets. I got to figure <laughs> out like Charlie's fucking hungry right now. So check. You know what I mean? Like it's not just the stresses of being a musician. You know, I think it's yeah. like the responsibility of being a parent is yep. like, it sets like a whole new precedent in terms of like how you have to like, actually be in this world and i think from my like perspective like i feel like it it um it really affects your music and that's why not just because you don't have time but i think you take your time because you're like you're not trying to rob time from anywhere you're like i'm this is time i'm doing this and now we're gonna work on music and now and i feel like that's why so much of your music is like shaped in advance because you're like yo we have to create this time and make it not just like be effective or or, or 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 just use it wisely i think you have to like know what you're gonna like be working on in that moment even if it doesn't work or it doesn't you know it does work but but just to kind of like just to like end this thought it was um i want to share another anecdote with some <laughs> folks if some if people are willing to hear this so we we went on tour a long time ago in like 2016 and <laughs> our first right? and only tour so far <laughs> Your tour is coming. Wait, that shit's going to be dope. And I remember like, you know, Charlie was like sleeping in the backstage or just like passed out and and just seeing how that's like a whole different level of responsibility. And I res- I was just like, man, y'all are the best. I was just like, this is amazing how much this takes. If <laughs> I just want people to understand that this is like a product of the environment. Yeah. In terms of like being, you know, in backstages and sometimes backstages really suck. And I remember that backstage <laughs> that we had in Baltimore. Do you remember this? <laughs> no? I do. Oh, I do. How I could do. we remember okay. that penis? Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, the penis, penis room. theme. The penis theme uh, wallpaper drawings. On, there was not on a the, spot on that wall without a dick it was, drawn on it. Have you, and did, I remember. It's funny. Like, have you ever re- did you ever rehearse at the sweatshop? In New York, yeah, in, in Brooklyn. In there's, Brooklyn, because the punk know, room, it's the same thing. It's just but penises. Maybe. But it's, I do remember that show. I remember us being like super, all, like, I think that was the last one in, in that leg. Yeah, it was the last yeah, one. For us, you know, we played a whole yeah. four shows, a whopping four shows. <laughs> and by the last yeah. one, we were like, oh my God, yeah. what is this? Look at this crazy backstage <laughs> area. What, we're, we're here with this baby. What are we doing? You know? I know. We're like, like, what are we doing with and our then, lives? And then we went out into the stage. I remember that being the best show the best show yeah, of the, the entire to, you know four days yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah. and your show moving me like really beautifully like it was yeah. something it was I'll gorgeous. remember forever man yeah Louis totally. Stout wore one of your tinsel suits because Lu- you had yeah, a dancer Louis- bail on you I remember 
I know, and I felt so, and, yeah. and I love you guys forever for this. I remember, like, so being so like, yo, like, yeah, I know you guys were trying later. to drive back. <laughs> I think it was beautiful, too. I thank you, like, Tell so Charlie, much. I thank you. <laughs> Dude, no, seriously, thank you so much. Like, I feel like our, I, I love having this friendship with you. I think I remember, like, just connecting with you on Twitter and... And I know that in New York, like everybody that makes kind of weird music in Spanish, I think we all already kind of have a connection and, or just people with, you know, like Latino parents that are there. Like it's, it's funny how we all just kind of gravitated towards each other. And, and you were one of the first and you've always been like such a great, like mentor to us and we admire you so much. And I mean, I just want to keep collaborating with you forever. As you know much what as I mean? possible. <laughs> Likewise. No, I love you guys so much. And yeah, I, I, you're the only band I've ever wanted to be in. So. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it. I mean, I feel like after this record, I'm just feeling like a lot more unattached. And um, we could do whatever. Charlie, you want to say hi? You want to say hi before hola, we Charlie, say bye? Hola, Charlie. ¿Cómo estás? Ven. Dile hola. Es que we're, yeah. almost, we're almost done. Just Let's say, say hi. hi. Bye. Say hi. <laughs> bye, bye. ¿Cómo estás, Charlie? Hi, hi. Um, Dile hola. Hi. Dile que estás bien. ¿Y tú? Estoy bien. Okay, bueno. <laughs> bueno. I think we're running out of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is... Well, for those who just, like, <laughs> tuned in, what she's like, ¿Qué pasó? Charlie's just sort of She's like, like, did you know that in Chip and Dale, the voice of Chip was voiced by a kid? No, no, no. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll let him know when it's... The Chip of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. The little claw. Okay. It's all good. Now I get it. I totally get it. Anyway, okay. Roberto, yeah, just Bye. thank you so much. We're so excited. We're so excited to show everybody, like, our latest collaboration. <laughs> Yeah. We just have can't to collaborate wait. on each record, like forever. But man, so, I can't wait for this whole thing to be over for you to come over to Puerto Rico, play some shows here. I just want to hang out. Show you Aguadilla Please. and all the west side of Puerto Rico, which is our new home. And it's going to be dope. Love you guys so much. Thanks Love for you, Gracias, Roberto. Out. Te queremos mucho. Gracias a ti. Sí. Let's keep we'll, supporting each other and trying to be creative through this crazy time. It's I think it's the only thing we, we can really do right now, you know? Hell yeah. That's what we got. We got each other. That's right. We got each other, babe. Okay. Bye. Love you, Love you guys so much. Be well, everybody. Bye. Stay healthy. Bye-bye. Elado Negro, Busca Buya, thank you so much for joining us here on the TalkHouse podcast. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's show, definitely check out Roberto's past episode with Sylvan Esso. Another artist that came up in the talk today was Zenia Rubinos, who was also on the TalkHouse podcast with Ladybug Mecca a while back. Check that out. Yep, and also Caroline Polachek got name-checked. She's been on the show in a very cool live-scored episode with Neon Indian. You can find all of that on our SoundCloud page or talkhouse.com. Definitely, while you're at the site, make sure to check out our events tab. As I mentioned at the top, this was our very first Instagram Live. Since then, we've done one with Julian Baker and Katie Harkin of Slater Kinney and Chicano Batman chatting with Lido Pimienta. And we have a few more very cool things coming down the pipeline. You can find the TalkHouse on all your favorite social channels at TalkHouse. The TalkHouse theme was composed and performed by The Range. And listeners, everyone you heard today on the show has recorded themselves. 
from Puerto Rico to Marfa, Texas, Chicago to Philly. And in Ridgewood, Queens, our producer is the one and only Mark Yoshizumi. Thanks so much to Samantha Small for helping us out with research on today's episode. Till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Josh Modell. Peace and pause. Pause.